Audioversity, the voice of Reichman University. Beyond the Classroom, where real life lessons unfold. With Nir Horowitz and Oren Nathan. How's it going, everyone? And welcome back to Beyond the Classroom, a show where we come together every week to hear different success stories from different industries, hoping to maybe inspire one of you. My name is Neil Horowitz, and I'll be your host today. And my co-host is Oren Nathan. And today we bring you one of our own. Some say he's the coolest professor on campus. You might have seen him, seen him going around campus with a Segway. And if you're lucky enough, he is your stats and math teacher. We are lucky enough. Hever Schulberg, it's a pleasure having you here. Thank you. Thank you, Nir and Oren. Very exciting. Nice to see you, nice to see you two outside of uh, an actual classroom. 100%. Trying our best, trying our best. Oren, let's uh, kick us off. So we want to start from the beginning. We want to know what your childhood was like, how it shaped your interest in math, what you dreamed of being. Well, I, I'll have to begin by saying something which I usually say to my students. My interest is not necessarily math. By the way, sometimes people guess, I get that I, I sound like the National Geographic uh, narrator. <laughs> so please excuse me for that. That's too many years of trying to imitate someone speaking English when it's not your native. So <laughs> David so Attenborough. Yeah, okay. So um, actually, I have to like um, fine-tune this a bit. I, I love math. I loved math as a kid. I was good at it at school. And my, then I decided to, 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 to learn in the university things that related to math, like physics and chemistry. It's not just the actual math degree. But along the years, I found that explaining things to people, making a difference in the chemistry of their brain, in perceiving something that might have been perceived as problematic and challenging before I did it, this change is like the cathartic change for me. So it's not so much of me about math loving, but about changing people's perspe- perception about things that I think I can make a difference for them. For So it's like teaching in general and teaching math in particular, which was my habit, um, which my, was my love, and, and, and then became, of course, also my profession. So if you ask how did this develop when I was a child, uh, uh, when I was a young student, like in high school, I explained things to my fellow classmates. Best in your class? Maybe, yes. I think I don't really remember, but I did get some kind Very of, you know, humble. like a, uh, like an excellence uh, card from the Knesset saying I was the highest uh, wow. of the country or wow. something like this. One of them. So I got like something. Re- I don't really remember the specific, but I did dri- I remember the bus driving to Jerusalem. Back then it meant that you were a very big nerd, so I wasn't proud of it. But today I'm looking at it like part of what, you know, forged the way that I am today. So Definitely. Never look back at anger at things. And you grew up in Farsaba, right? Yes, I did. How was that? How was, uh, are, you, do you have, are you in touch with your family? Do you have any siblings? Um, I mean, I'm an only child to my mother Ooh. who had left my father back then, even in the 70s. And uh, I actually grew with her and my grandparents uh, grand, uh, in Farsaba. They were divorced. My father had another family. He was he became religious, so he lived in different places in Israel. And then I actually only grew with my mother, seeing my father in visitations, of course. But uh, I'm an only child to my mother. I do have half brothers from my fa- father's ne- second family. Uh, one of them boys was even in one of the big brothers here in Israel show and everything. But it's still they're like they're my father's sons. They're not my mother. I'm I'm an only child to my mother. I see and. After that, you know, growing up in Farsaba, you went to the army. And from what I remember, you told me you were an Atudai. 
Is that how how do you actually say that in actual proper like reserve? Honestly, I um I I gave some reserve thought into is me right? Yeah. So, so I think um well for those who don't know what it is, most people at the age of 18 go and they draft. Um and there is an option to go and study before and switch the order. Yeah, switch the order yeah. and you come to the army with some sort of specialty degree and you you do that so what exactly. was your what did you learn as a I, 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 and exactly and, and, and the deal there is that they let you learn when you're younger and you probably think that maybe and in most cases this is also true you're more prepared to, to study like when you're younger and not later on it's like you're making it like one whole thing of studying in high school and then consecutively in the university so that's like the, the benefit that you get from it and the price that you pay is that you have to study things that the army says that they're good for you so like like whatever the army needs at that time i was studying chemistry okay so did i did you like it i liked it as much as the other guy i mean i i, I was the, a major chemistry student in high school so oh. it was enough for me to say okay i'm good at it i was actually good as as a student and, and whatever i learned because i was good at you know doing tests i was like a child that always took I put one of my goals to always do the best of, to the best of my extent everything that is put in front of me. That's something that you can analyze forever learn like in psychology from the way that I was maybe raised or my my life uh, pathway. So I was okay with studying because it was like something I wanted to do and, and of course make my, my my parents proud. So I was good at chemistry and I said I'm going to continue with that. It's not necessarily something that interests me today. But again, it's forged who I am today, you know. It's chemistry, it's very it's very uh quantitative related there's a lot of math courses and that's exactly the degree in the university which made me see that i like quantitative thinking in general math in particular and and i also improved my my ways of teaching other students helping them and then getting money paid when i was like giving tutoring for students that needed and then in small group this was like the beginning of me seeing that i actually don't necessarily like chemistry but i like explaining quantitative related topics So the point of this podcast and what we're trying to do is bring people who we think are successful in their specific fields or industries and we obviously perceive you to be as a successful S- teacher. First of all, thank you. Great teacher. Thank you. And so uh, basically we want to know what your definition of success is and how it's changed over the years. That's a good question. Um I mean different people have different versions and and definition for success. Now over the years you try to adopt other people's definition because you don't really know who you are till a certain age. And even then everybody's guessing. Let me tell you. When you think you know who you are you're still seeing another version of someone and oh that's nice. So most of our pretty much I'm saying this to my kid although he's two year, two and a half years old. You're going to be guessing till the end of your life. So don't first I mean he doesn't really understand what I want from are me. Are you still guessing? Yeah. I mean you you think you know because you, you say that you do and then you at the inside people guess they don't let, always let you know that they guess because people like think they become they come out as stronger as as the minute they they're more firm in their in their opinion but i think if people will let themselves be more uh open and less opinionated then uh uh i think we'll have a better reality and everywhere so i let myself change or at least at least uh perceive the option of change and I'm, trying for this to be the guideline of myself you know so um, um forging who i am was something that uh, opened up when i was a student and eventually success became you know if i have to give the best version that i have today is doing something that people might look up to and in today's reality 
um, people look up to other people for doing nothing, you know, like like social media made it made people famous for being famous, or like a circle. You're famous for not other other than being famous by itself, not not another reason. And and I, my definition is to be recognized, acknowledged by people, not necessarily in this meaning financially successful. This sometimes come with it, sometimes there's times when it doesn't. But recognized and revered too, as the in the field that you chose to be uh, uh, to perfect. Okay, it's a bit of a tricky definition, but to be revered by other people, to be thought as good after they examine what you can give them and they found it to be successful, not because someone else put you in like a, you know, like a, a situation where they said, "Look, this guy is successful. Please revere him." I see, and part of that is uh, of your success is also the Yoel Giva. Um, Right. Psychometric. Uh, it's not a psychometric. You all ever had uh, has a psychometric division, which I was never a part of, and and then bagul, a matriculation uh, de- department when you help people that want to improve their grades, or if they don't have a bagul at all in certain subject, they help them get it. So I was a part of this in math, specifically teaching math students. Till this day, today I'm not physically standing in front classrooms, but I'm helping Israeli students that uses uh, your give us books to to learn math by having videos of me solving questions posted next to the questions in using barcodes and you can scan them with your phones and all and and then they actually listen to me and and see my hand writing uh, the, the the solution slowly and explaining all the considerations the, the man behind the camera you know exactly. for those out there who've done uh, the psychometric exam or are doing math and statistics in IDC Now you know who's behind the videos and, and you you actually you, you're making it uh, like sarcastic but it's very nice it's, it's actually true the first thing I get when I get the, of course in the last years where it became more famous this project is what I teach the students at the first few lessons in here at Reichman University math and statistics people come to me if I don't address this in class they come to me look I don't know where I know you from but your voice is all familiar so I have no idea because they're trying to recognize the face and they if they didn't really study with me only with the videos then they don't really see me but The voice is recognizable, especially with the, with the uh, amplification in classrooms, so it's a similar uh, metallic voice. And, and then they say, "I know you for somewhere." So it became a lot of uh, there's a lot of echoing from that. How many hours of recording, editing did it take? Uh, it's, it's a lot. First of all, the difference between an actual video which you can vo- watch and the recording time is usually 10 times of if sometimes six or 10 times fold because you make mistakes and then you record it again, then you have to delete it and edit it and add videos. So, so usually there's like a multiplication factor to it. So if you ask about recording, these are thousands of hours, something like maybe just for that product, regardless of the project that I do academically for, for you guys, for example, I think I spent something like 5,000 hours. Wow. wow so that's like took me t- nine years oh to get to that but today a lot of I can say probably that maybe 50% of Israeli students at at, at Pagrut at, at high school they know my voice if they take five, four or five points oh, it's also in high school it's high the books of Yolgeva are 50% of what they use in high school they either oh, use wow. Yolgeva or Benny Goren today that's we didn't most, grow up in Israel so one. Uh, exactly. we didn't know that wow so I, I, I that is amazing so 50% approximately of those who use any books uses Yolgeva and wow. in those books they hear me and how how did you find yourself uh, working for Yolgeva um, why, why do you think they picked you That's a very good question again. And you know what? My motto was always be, was always uh, be as good as you can and good thing will happen. Now, I know this is a bit naive to say and not always work. And other people will say that you have to, you know, like take more initiatives and all. And I do take initiatives. But I was so concentrated always, even as a student, to being the best 
of what they give to me. For example, I was studying piano. Uh, we, we talked about in classroom a few times that the fact that I'm playing. So what, once I've seen a student playing, I've said to my parents, I won, they were not even together. So everybody chipped in for some money and they bought me, it's like I'm old, you know, like organ, like yeah. two, two floor old with the pedal and thing. And then I didn't like it, so I wanted the piano. So I was always, when I, the minute I concentrate on something, I like have to put myself into it, be the best that I can. Some At some point I left the playing because I had to choose, you know, like they go to university. And so, so I didn't, I, I was even thinking of being like maybe a pianist and going to learn it professionally. But wow. the minute I decided to teach, I was say, I wanted every student that will get out, will come out from my, from my meeting that he will say he would have an enlightenment. That's what I wanted. Not always did I succeed in getting it, but when I did it, it paid off because eventually I got approached. You know, like I, I was teaching these groups of students in Kadima, that's a, a, a moshav here in Israel at the north. And then the, the, the teacher that was actually in charge, he said, look, I'm getting reaction from you that I've never got from any student. Like you changed the way they perceive math. So I want you to replace me in high school in, uh, in Ranana called uh, Metro. So I replaced this teacher for, she was a female teacher for, for, for a few weeks. She was gone and then I wanted to come back. The, the class didn't want to let me go. So the, the, the headmaster said, I'm going to give you a classroom next year. I was only 21. Wow. I'm going to give you a class of 18 years old student when I was 21, starting for five points. This was an enormous success. Everybody wanted to get to my classes. And then the manager there said, I'm also doing in the IDC, formerly IDC today, Reichman. I'm like managing the Mechinot, the prep courses. So I think it's nice that you'll teach math for the Mechinot. I was teaching for four years here from 98, 99. Wow. And then the headmaster here, which is still the head of academic um, mathematics and statistics study here, Professor Varda Lieberman, she said, I need to meet this guy who everybody's talking about. So she met me and she said, okay, I want to give you a course here. And then you see how everything wow. progressed, like wow. a pyramid of like in a game, you know, like in an arcade. Every time you meet a bigger boss, One you, have, you have to win his heart. In this case, not kill him, obviously. So it was like an arcade game. And I was really feeling that by simply looking so close that I only see the fact that I need to perfect this hour now, not the whole thing. This eventually became a building block that built this pyramid of success. And when you when you were 21, you were still in the army. You were teaching and? Yes, I was teaching the, uh, teaching in, in parallel to doing my day job like in research. And how long were you in the army for? Seven years. Oh, like wow. you, That's wow. also one. I don't necessarily recommend this pathway. I mean... Don't get me wrong, if for some people it's good, you make the change and you first of all study, so you're still fresh and you don't lose the ability to study maybe after a few years of farming. So that's good for some students. I didn't necessarily know that I wanted to start with chemistry and so on, so I would not necessarily in immediately recommend this. But again, when I look at this backwards, it had a purpose of preparing me. I mean, it, 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 it forged a lot of my properties as a good student and a good teacher, you know, doing the work and so on. So there's not always the reason you think you're doing something will be eventually the reason you look back and see that part of your life being a part of. For of sure, but to sign seven years at 18 years that's old. That's a lot. And, don't make, and you don't make so much money yeah. on that, and that's why yeah. I had to work. You make like... 300 shekels a month and you're wow. older already yeah. you're older and also, this is also the reason I don't necessarily liked it because it, it created some social difference between me and the people that were at the right age so I a lot of your friendship male and female they usually are accomplished in the army and for me I was either the youngest in the university where everybody was 22 I was 18 and then eventually when I when I when I was drafted I was the older one in regular yeah. army there were a, a soldier was 18 and 19 so I was always a, like a, a like the 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 odd bird there wow. in, in age-wise. So would uh, you go back and would you change anything? That's a good question again, because uh, again, I believe in deterministic uh, uh, mathematics for probability in life. So everything that 
created this moment now was how it should have happened. You know, so since we don't have a time machine and Einstein already said that if we could have had in the future, then people from the future would have been coming back to visit us. So the fact that they don't mean that they even don't invent it in the future means that th that's not a relevant question for a deterministic person to ask. Because I can always, I can, if I had to go back, it would have happened the same because I have to end up here. In this in recording studio now, that's the only way my life could have happened. Wow. So that's like, a, a not every everyone believes in deterministic thinking, but the minute you believe in it, there's no real value to the question if you change it or not. And what, you know, now you're teaching here at Reichmann, you're still doing your giver. What's, uh, what's the next step? What's the next achievement that you're um, looking for? Those... Um, all those decisions of being you know, ex excellent in my work and also they took the toll. The toll was like that I put aside family life. And people even thought that I had a lot of time of being a bachelor and, and, and enjoying it. I was not even enjoying it. I, I had steady uh, relationship, but I couldn't move to the next step because I was not into it. I was working like until 11 o'clock in the night, you know, giving night lessons in your given. So, so in today, today's time, and I really uh, uh, look at it as another achievement personally for me, I managed even more later than you, most people to create a family, you know, like usually 20 years after normal people do it. And also to have children, like the first one I have is two, two and a half years and the other one is already uh, almost newborn. I mean, well, my wife is seven months pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I really believe in my case, the right thing to do now is to keep everything I do without losing it and, and to, to like, like to put myself on my family now. That's, I know it's not a professional achievement, but when you get to my age and you understand you need that, finally, like 20 years later than people, you say, I, I will be lucky to even make it happen. So the fact that I did make it happen, I consider it an achievement for me. 100%. For those who uh, don't know what Hever looks like and how old he is, he looks like a 25-year-old man. <laughs> Thank you again. Age is, uh, it was worth coming here just from the compliment. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit older than that. But yeah, wow. Because, you know, most people look at professional achievements for success and family is definitely and right. it took me a while to appreciate it so of course it takes, it takes some, time. sometimes i give myself benefit from not doing what will be the most simple thing for me to do for example i once uh, i once defined going to the header kosher to the gym as something you, you 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 give yourself high five for right because you need to go at night and when it's raining and you don't like it and i did that and i achieved that and i was very happy today I give, I'm so addicted to it, so I give myself, because of the family consideration and work, I give myself credit, you know what? When, you when I don't go. Exactly when I don't go, there's a few days in consecutive, when I'm teaching in semester, sometimes I don't get to go for a few days. I teach a lot of hours, then I need to see my kid at the evening, then you, you know, like, you're like worn out, you have to prepare the material for next. Sometimes you don't go for a few days and you get this burning inside and you say, I'm proud of yourself that you didn't go. So what other hobbies do you have now? How, um, what, how do you... I'm playing the piano, as you know, which of is the, uh, one of my biggest hobbies uh, today after my family, of course. So I'm playing it, not professionally, but as uh, like 30 years already. So I'm kind of stuck at the same level for 20 years already, but I've, I've been playing for 30, almost three decades, and I love it. It's my way to express myself without words, being creative. If I'm moody, if I feel a bit down. Therapy. Yes, I, le I let myself like move on the keyboard and take some of the energy. Of May it be a good energy or something you want to take out, it still, it still pours out. And another, another hobby of mine is animals. Not animals in general, but animals that you can help in the neighborhood of your house. So I have two rescue dogs, which I have already for 20, 12 years. They're old already. And I'm going out whenever I'm walking them and my kid outside, I'm always carrying a bag of, 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 of dry cat food and I put it everywhere I see cats. So it's like 
and I, when I had used to have more time, I used to like help with shelters and so on. Today, I only give money to them because I couldn't really physically do that. But but I really think that we're here in order to preserve all lives. We're not responsible for all lives that are here, but it's our responsibility to preserve them and not to kill them and not to make them perish. And not everybody believed that. Some people believe that we are here and we are the one prevailing. We are the one, you know, like the, the world is for us as human beings. I don't really believe that. It's karma and it's going to get back to you. Did you ever try having a cat with two dogs? Or I, w I had a cat with my dogs uh, when I was living in another apartment. I was bachelor, a bachelor there and the, the door was open all the time and I had like, it was a... It was like a condominium of, of, of apartment where you can leave the door open and so on. So the, the, the dogs didn't like it, so what, but he was running away every time they did it. Today, I have to keep my house closed and so on, so the dogs don't really let me. But when I was younger and I didn't care about leaving, you know, like the, the, the window open and so on, I had a cat, he was coming. So if it was up to me, I would have had six cats and five dogs. But wow. since my wife is also allergic, and also there's so much animals you can put in, a, in an apartment, still have a nice living, you know. And, and so on, so I, I have my two dogs and I only feed the cats outside. Definitely. So I've got a question. If you could improve one thing in yourself, what would it be? Oh, I, oh that's a challenging question. Um, I'm talking about being open to changes all the time. And professionally, I think I'm there. So every time people say, what are you going to change next year? I'm, gonna ta I'm, I'm taking my notes, the one that I'm teaching you with. I'm going over them. And I always find some like sentence. I could have put this in somewhere, another example. And I every year I say, how did I teach this last year like that? That's horrible. And even people say, that's amazing. I've, I have enjoyed learning it. And in this year, I will do something and I will change it next year. So yeah. I think, first of all, that's always something you can improve it. But having said that, not professionally, I'm kind of stuck in my comfort zone. So since I was, I'm so open to changing professionally, so in other fields, I'm like letting myself too much go to the comfort zone of, you know, like not to putting too much effort in, in close friends and preserving relationships, um, um, not being open to changing, like going abroad and maybe, you know, taking less courses next year. I'm so used to whatever I'm doing and everything works, like a juggling of balls that you don't want to go from the circle of the balls, you know, so, so I, would, I would wish myself, let myself see that nothing happens in every, only good thing actually happens when you let yourself go from the comfort zone. And I'm not, I don't think I'm really there besides professionally when I'm, because I'm trying forcefully to do it. In other fields, I'm letting myself go. I'm like giving myself a break too much in the comfort zone. So that's my wish to myself. Definitely. A lot move, of people move away from the comfort zone. A lot of people say the comfort zone is uh, the biggest dream killer. It's hard. Exactly. And I and I know how we I know it how it can affect us. I mean, it's easier to wake up at morning and say I'm going to do the same routine. Has there has there been a moment in your career that you felt that you were comfortable and you wanted to change and it was a, some sort of setback that you had to uh, overcome because of being too comfortable? Yes, that's, uh, that's what I've meant with the family. I was doing wonderful at work and I, I was making more money because people wanted me to teach everywhere and I started the videos, but I didn't have a family. And I know there's it, going to be a lot of changes. You know, you don't sleep at night. You have to be, you, be, you become tired because your kid wake up at night and you have to find a wife that tolerates you, which is not so simple. At your <laughs> age, it sounds simple, but when you get... We get used to your comfort zone, so not always do you want another person to tell you what to do, and you get start considering everything that this person wants, and only 50% of what you want matters. So I really think that by beginning, starting my family was the biggest step out of my comfort zone that I ever did. And it was, wasn't simple as well, but I, I, I'm glad that I did it. Do you, do you think that a college degree, a university degree, is necessary today? Uh, today, more than ever, not necessarily. I mean... 
so many things, especially in high tech, are related to knowledge. Knowledge is not only gained today, as we all know, using the internet and all the global village that we have today, is not only obtained by having a diploma. So no, and also universities acknowledge this and they're changing the way they're, te the way they're teaching students. They're making more weird combinations of degrees, like entrepreneurship and sustainability and so on. So that's a change. The way that the, we teach you guys is changing, you know, from videos and not everything is, is, is like conveyed in class. People learn at home with videos and in classroom it's just, you know, showing the general ideas. So universities understand this and I think the understanding is because that today you, you can become almost whatever you want, even without a degree. Some things are still dependent on that, like, let's say, medicine, right? Because they want to preserve, like, boundaries for people to know that it's life and death situations or, have, like, like learning sure. to fly and so on. But I really think today, more than ever, not necessarily, but I really believe that the minute university, like Reichmann University, progresses with time and make this change, then a degree today is not the same degree as before. It's not just a diploma. And then having this structure, this uh, global networking of connection with other people, that's something usually, usually is very hard for you to achieve by yourself. So you can still get to work in what you wanted to work without a degree, but you can do this faster, become more excellent in it, and usually get screwed in, like uh, uh, find yourself positioned, should I say, in, in, in a better position later on that might might have been what you would find yourself positioned at if you were not have doing it in the structure of an academic uh, degree. So the advantages are still there, but it's not a must if, if it's not for anyone. The, and you said that you know the world is changing, you don't have to do a degree. How do you think that teaching has changed over over the last 10 years? You know, technology, Zoom. So, uh, first of all, for a lot of teachers, it hasn't. This is, this, this is uh, something that I'm really, really sorry for. A lot of teachers, because teachers usually, older people that, you know, learn how to teach and they're good at it and usually not so young because you're not, I wasn't that good of a teacher when I was 20 and so I'm improving myself. So, because they're older, they're also uh, you're like caught in a conception of what, they know as teaching. So you've, you've stayed with the time and adapted with the technology. I was trying to because, again, yeah. professionally, I said my goal is to not stay in my comfort, at least professionally. And I think that saved me and made me, you know, what I am today because I was like doing videos when there was no streaming of videos yet. So I didn't know what I'm going to do with them. I was, sa I was saying to myself, be good at making videos because there will come a time that people are going to learn at this. And people were laughing at me. I mean, you don't even have fast internet today. How would people, you know, like uh, have consume this uh, thing that you give them? And I was still taking like lessons to stand in front of camera. I thought I used to think maybe they're going to film it. Today I know I, they only hear my voice and see my my hand with a pen. But because it becomes better today. But I used to think they're going to film it. So I took even cameras lesson, like a few months of different courses of standing in front of cameras and acting lessons. I even wow. took those back then. And then I took lessons of how to work with technology and editing program. I was always improving myself knowing that it can never stay at the same position, especially in those days. And unfortunately for a lot of teachers today, it's still standing on a board, holding a, a chalk or today maybe a marker. And, and I think as we have more and more younger uh, teachers or teachers that are willing to be thinking in a young way, not necessarily younger in their age, then teaching is advancing to flip classes, academic teaching at home with video. There's, I mean, I don't even talk to talk about it now because there's so many ways that we could not even end this interview. But, but it's it's about it's about being open to technology and changes. Yeah, you know. I mean, well I think from the other students in the class and even people that aren't in your class, everyone says that the videos are super helpful. 
And think, think about how much thought about it there is into them. Because I have the videos of teaching the actual material, knowing that people might have wanted to see them before they get to class and already know what I'm talking about. But there's videos that solve the homework assignment. Yeah. So there's, there's a different... Com and I was trying an evolution of different things before this. I was trying to teach the material only in videos and for you to come to class and not teach you at all, only practice. I was doing so many evolutionary steps in the last 10 years till I got to this, you know, like dissolved you way like of testing until you exactly. found the most and, and, and I was testing it according to students right? yeah. not even to what I think people say no I really want to hear you explain everything in class again I don't want you to rely on me seeing those videos so that's another thing I thought would never be possible I thought people would like to learn it before and then here we'll only have practice an example an example no they said I want to see the theory I want to see an actual person that's also important connection between people is not gone the minute you have technology so people still want I want to see you explaining the logic behind a limit I don't want to rely on a video but it's like something that, you know, like like that give you balance. That's what I see technology. It couldn't be the thing you rely on, but it give you balance more, more like uh, more foot to the chairs. What advice would you give to well, Oren and I are just starting our careers? We've just started our first year here at Reichman. To any uh, first year student or someone who's starting their path, what advice would you give them? Um. What advice do I give and to the next fresh students? The next question is a quote that you Very live by. So, what, what is the next question? A quote that you live by. Mm. You say I'm on, I'm going to. Uh, you have to think about. Yeah, think about it in, in the meanwhile. Well, first advice is understand, especially in the fresh year, freshman year, that it's a new experiment. The, it's experience. The minute it's a new experience, everything you think you know about it is wrong. I mean, when you'll get to the second year, third year, I'm talking to my stu students, they say, what I perceived as academic studies in the first year is definitely not what it is. You can think about it. You think it's like a high school by elevated. It's never the same, and it's different for different people. I'm not saying what it is. But the only way you can actually know it is be open to it, open to change it, know that you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to study in the proper way in the first semester. You might sometimes get not get the grade that you want, maybe even fail and repeat some courses. The difference is if you're serious, you're going to be adapt, adapt, adopting those changes and you're going to understand that it's not what you thought and it's something else. And you, can, you should study in study groups or if it's someone else, he should study alone. You're going to see what it is for you in the second or third year. Don't judge. My best advice, now that I think about forging it, my best advice is don't judge the experience of academic studies by what you see in the first few weeks. I mean, it's like what you said before. Your success in teaching has come from the fact that you've been able to adapt. Exactly. And students usually have like a firm thing of, of what they think academic studies are and if they don't they like develop it in the first few weeks and say oh that's what it is yeah. and they don't really see that at the third year they think differently so take the first year as an experiment be serious i'm not saying be not be serious what i'm saying it does not contradict seriousness right so be serious man do whatever is necessary knowing that it might not yield the same expected result that you think, but accept this as a given and know that you'll improve in the next one. The minute you judge everything by saying, I'm not good at it, I'm not successful, that's the problem of freshman students, right? So be open to changes and be serious. And a quote. A quote I live by. I mean, it's, it wouldn't go with the entire line of what I was saying, but it really is a go that me as Hever, as a personal, as a person live by. It's uh, live and let live. Because I really think, especially in today's reality, especially in Israel, people like are trying to 
force you to do what they want like force you to think like they think force you to to like to behave like the thing i really try to the best of my extent to walk on this borderline it's a very thin line you know of first of all not harming anyone's feelings if they think differently than me but still on those borderline do good with uh, with what i think should be done as good and that's not such a simple way to live your life because trying to walk on this borderline of live it let live usually like sometimes angry people that thought they were friends and then you don't do what they think you should do and then some other people like say oh you do what i do and then eventually you change it because walking on this borderline of doing what's good for you and still at the same not time not offending not harming other people is a very difficult task sometimes it's easier to be conformistic like just do what everyone expects you to do like in the environment you're in and i'm trying i'm not i'm not saying i'm perfect so surely i have my my problems with it but live and let other people live but still do good while you're doing it that's that's the quote i live by not very, always very so powerful. successfully but uh, i'm trying but it's hard it's hard to, uh, yeah. to do that um so that was it and thank you for tuning in my name is neil horowitz and we had hevel schulberg probably the coolest professor like thank i said thank you yeah definitely in reichman university tune in for next week's episode it's been a pleasure having you have a good day thank you guys thank you Beyond the Classroom, where real life lessons unfold, with Nir Horowitz and Oren Nathan. All our shows and podcasts available online on our website and on all podcast platforms. Search Audioversity 